WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. This week, a lot of new faces will join CMS's Board of Education. It all comes after three incumbents lost their seats in the historic November election. And they'll have a lot to tackle, from falling test scores to the search for a new superintendent. It all comes as the district's interim leader, Hugh Hadabaugh, set to step down at the end of this month. CMS now looking for its sixth superintendent in less than 10 years. This morning you'll hear from two of the five newly elected school board members. They've nicknamed themselves the Fresh Five. Joining us now, CMS board member-elect Lisa Klein. She, come Tuesday, she's going to represent the district, 5th uh, district, which includes most of South Charlotte and Matthews. Lisa, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, so you won a, a close race by a few thousand votes. Um, with all these new faces coming onto the board, what do you think that that, in and of itself, signals about where CMS stands going into next year? Well, I think it signals a change from what the community wants. They wanted change. And we call ourselves Fresh Five. You know, we're, we've been calling ourselves different things. But I think it's wanting, the community wants change. And then we are the agents of that change. And we have to listen to what the community wants. We're striving now doing a lot of team building, meeting together because we can meet until we become board members and just building that collegial spirit that is needed to do what needs to be done in the community for the community and for the children. To that point, you, you um, sort of had a, a lot of different grassroots organizations that, that backed you in your campaign. Um, how would you describe who are you going to be the voice for on the board? I like to think that I'm the, the voice not only for the children and the parents, but I have a unique perspective as being an educator and 29 plus years in CMS and 40 years of just education in general. So I like to think I'm going to be a combination. I have a lot of students that are now parents in the district, and I hope that I continue to be that voice because it, it's got to be a common sense approach to what we're doing. And we've gotten away from that. I was a history teacher and in CMS along with being a, a foreign language teacher. And I like to look at the history of CMS and look at how the change, what changes occurred and what's broken down in the past few years and how we can get back on track. So I like to think that I'm going to be that voice of everybody. And yes, it was a grassroots effort. You all are going to be doing a juggling act. Um, there's going to be a lot of different priorities you have. Uh, treat this like a triage situation. W what would be your number one or number two priority, knowing that, and I'm going to get to this, there's a superintendent uh, selection that's going to have to happen. But aside from that, for just a second, what do you feel like is your biggest one or two priorities? Well, I started already getting the, the parent phone calls and the parent emails. We're looking at redistricting. And it, this, the school district goes through uh, a redistricting and realignment of lines every six years. And in South Charlotte, there is a high school relief that's opening up off of Johnston Road and North Community House. So that is going to be a major priority 
because we've got to look at that and get it right. I mean, for so long, we've the district's drawn lines here, there, and right now we have to get it right for this next group and for this next six years. So that is a priority. And of course, everybody knows that the number one thing is the superintendent and we have to get that right. And we've got to have that person in place during the, by, by the beginning of school. So that's number one. And number two for me, and, and, and I'm very fortunate with Summer Nunn, who is District 6. We've been going to a lot of meetings and other board members have been joining us to see what is needed in this area because it's not just South Charlotte, it's going to affect everybody and we want to make it right. Uh, back to the superintendent search, uh, in your mind, uh, what are you going to be looking for in the ideal candidate? Uh, you know, I, I've sat in a, a lot of uh, community-based uh, surveys, and that, I don't know if you can find that perfect person. It's going to be hard. I, I was fortunate to work under some really good superintendents. I worked under John Murphy. That shows you how long I've been in the district. Eric Smith, Peter Gorman, James Pusley, Francis Haithcock. So and I'd like to find a combination of everybody like that who can be charismatic, who can reach the community, who can bring us together. And then on top of that, make sure that we are closing the gap because at one time we were on course and we've gotten off course and we've Got let me stop you. Let me stop you right there. You, let me stop you right there because you say we've gotten off course. Since say Peter Gorman, which was 2007, 2008, we have had a a list of superintendents. What do you think has gone wrong in the selection process in that 10, 15 year time span? One of the things I think is that they didn't really understand Mecklenburg County and Mecklenburg County is huge and it keeps growing and the culture of the the unique culture of our community and how to bridge those gaps because the west side is very different from the east side and the north and the south you've got to find somebody who can understand that and while you're focusing on one area not forgetting and I think sometimes we focus zero in on one thing and you still have all these other things going on. So you've got to have a good support system. And they didn't have that. And um, the other thing that, and I've, I've, I'm on record, I want a superintendent that, that's not using Mecklenburg County and CMS as the stepping stone for something better. They can't have one foot in the door and one foot out. So I'm really going to push that as part of their contract. I don't know if I can do that or not. Sure. Hopefully we can, that they are committed to CMS for minimum of three years, hopefully five years without consulting, not using us as, hey, I'm doing such a great job here. Let me promote myself to something bigger and better. As a springboard. They've got commitment. Thanks for coming on, we appreciate it. Have a good day. All right, take care. 
We speak to another new member of the CMS board coming up after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. On Tuesday, CMS set to welcome in a bunch of new leaders to the school board. It all comes amid growing concerns about everything from leadership to test scores. Joining us now, CMS board member elect Stephanie Sneed, who will represent East Charlotte, District 4. Uh, you're one of several incoming board members who, who beat out an incumbent. It's not your first time either. We've had you on the show before as well. What do you think it is uh, about the, the current climate that helped push you over the finish line this time? I believe that it is because, you know, I think it resonated that I, you know, wanted a fresh perspective from the school board. You know, I think that, you know, I, I constantly had that theme throughout the election, um, you know, that I, drink, I bring a different perspective, particularly as a parent um, of a young child that's in CMS, as well as a, you know, a labor and employment attorney, a grassroots um organizer for lack of better words i think it just it was time for a, a new perspective and people believed in, in in that message you represent one of the most diverse parts of charlotte east charlotte as we mentioned and we have seen how hard this pandemic has hit specifically students of color how do you think the board can help uh these students raise some test scores we, we know students of color have have disproportionately struggled during this pandemic it's been a problem for years what do you think is the first thing the board can do to help sort of raise and close, more importantly, that, that, that achievement gap? Well, it's a number of things, right? So one, we have to have a labor, labor laser focus on where we are um, in, in student outcomes. And then we have to have a specific plan in order to be able to move that forward and have aggressive goals to do so. Um, one of the number one things is, which I'm sure you're going to get into, is that we have to make sure that we hire the correct superintendent that is going to move us in that direction to change the trajectory of these students. Okay, we'll go ahead and go there. Um, talk about the, 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 the uh, superintendent, the interim superintendent, Hugh Hadamaw, stepping down. Um, we knew he was going to be interim. We didn't know he was going to be this interim. So, so going forward, what is your mind is the biggest quality that you are looking for in a new superintendent? So, of course, as always, if you always ask you to say the one quality, but I would say the top qualities are um, essentially that it has to be a person that has the knowledge, skills, and abilities to, to order to do this work to change student outcomes. Like, we have to have someone that has a proven record that is being transformative and that can align with uh, aggressive goals of the board in order to change that trajectory. The other thing is, you know, it really has to have someone who is going to be able to connect with connect with our diverse population and has the 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 fortitude, the desire to be a change agent and to stick it out, right? To stay with us um, until we get this transformation complete. At um, the very least. What what do you think? I spoke to Lisa Klein as well. Uh, she's echoed some of the same things that, that you're mentioning. But what do you think prior boards have done wrong when it comes to picking uh, a CMS superintendent over the last years? Because, I mean, if you look over just like the last 10 years or so, I think the, the CMS is now on its sixth superintendent, something like that. What, what, what have they been doing wrong in picking their selections? Well, I will say this, you know, we're not engaged in that process of selection, right? We, you know, the public generally hasn't been. I think that what we can do forward in making sure we're moving right is in the right direction is to make sure that we are, um, you know, valuing what our community members want in a superintendent 
and particularly um, paying close attention to what we need from the superintendent and make sure that those skills align in what we need here in Charlotte Mecklenburg. Uh, this upcoming year is going to be a big one when it comes to uh, redrawing school boundary lines, certainly going to affect your district in, in, as well. Um, what would you like to see happen there? Um, again, we have to make sure that we're making the right decisions that, you know, that are that are balanced, that are fair. Um, the main thing, you know, people, uh, you know, the student assignment process is, is very contentious, right? People are, are very anxious about it. And we have to make sure that we are listening to the public, right? That we aren't just going out saying that this is what we're going to do. I think we would have to say what our parameters are and what our considerations are with student, when student assignment boundaries are drawn, but also take the interest in of families. Um, that is very important. I mean, these have um, serious impact on, um, you know, feeder patterns, um, if siblings can go to the same school, like, will that change? We have to listen to, listen to our constituents um, in, in addressing what their concerns are. A lot of new faces on the board, as you will well aware. Uh, Lisa referred to them, as you all, as the fresh five. Um, yes. What, what, what do you think is sort of your all's charge going into this next year, um, being so many of you are new? So our charge is one, is to make sure, um, one, that we're representing, representing our community in the best way that we know how, and we're moving forward that'll change uh, the trajectory of students' lives. Our decisions have generational impacts, right? So as the Fresh Five, I think that, you know, one of the key things that we remain is that we kind of stay the Fresh Five, you know? And what I mean by that is that we were elected essentially um, because we are fresh, because we are bringing in new ideas. So, you know, so merging those with our uh, our tenured or, or senior uh, uh, school board members, make sure that we are, you know, making making sure that we are participating and bringing our fresh ideas with um, with them uh, uh, to to express those on the board as well. Folks watching this right now, um, whether they're parents or whether they're teachers or whether perhaps uh, we have a few students in the audience as well who watch Flashpoint on a weekly basis. What would your message be to them um, if perhaps they, they've not been happy with the way things have gone in the last few years when it came to CMS? Talk to us. Talk to us, right? Tell us what, what it is that you're not happy about. Tell us um, how we can make things better. I think that we have an obligation to do so. Um, we all have a perspective you know, we all come in with a certain lens. We have a diverse, the Fresh Five is a diverse group of, of people. We have parents um, of school-age children. We have corporate executive. We have legal experience. We have employment law experience. We have prior teachers and administrators. So we have a diverse group um, to add to the board, to the, add to the members that are already on the board, but communicate with us. What is it that you're what, are, what is it that you're dissatisfied about? Tell us. All right, Stephanie Sneed. Thanks for coming on Flashpoint. Once again, we appreciate it. Thank you again. All right, take care and happy holidays as well. Happy holidays to you. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Well, Cabarrus County prosecutors handed out unusual lenient deals to some accused speeders. Public records suggest their boss, a now retired district attorney, netting more than $140,000 a year, rarely came to the office to physically oversee her staff. This discovery follows an August WCNC Charlotte investigation where our Nate Morabito uncovered the practice gave big breaks to defendants. Now Nate diving into the outrage over this latest development. 
District Attorney Roxanne Vanikoven retired just days after we requested her building access records, data that shows just how infrequently she swiped her badge to get into her workplace at the courthouse. Interstate 85, the scene of a near crash where a state trooper clocked a teen driving almost 30 miles an hour over the speed limit. Court records show the Cabarrus County DA's office dismissed all of the driver's charges just a week later. In return, the teenager agreed to plead guilty to a non-moving violation. She kept her license and paid a reduced fine. Not even four months later, another trooper said he clocked the same teenage girl driving even faster. It's infuriating. It should be infuriating to every citizen who got a ticket there. Aaron Lee says he's outraged by what WCNC Charlotte discovered. It's not the justice I stand for. Unequal justice that played out in Cabarrus County traffic court during the pandemic. You ever get one of those deals? <laughs> I never got a single deal. We identified special deals reserved for only certain attorneys, plea deals that prevented accused reckless drivers from losing their licenses, paying big fines, or having convictions on their driving records. These are the dates the okay. DA was in the office according to her badge swipes. Wow. And the practice took place at a time that then district attorney Roxanne Vanikoven I have never personally seen her in the courthouse. Wasn't around all that much. Either way, it doesn't look good for her that this happened either under her nose or on her watch. Courthouse access data show in the 14 months leading up to Vanikoven's retirement, the elected public servant swiped her badge to get into the office just 46 times. On average, less than once a week and was absent most of 2022, only regularly returning in the weeks leading up to our initial investigation and her retirement. What's your level of concern? My level of concern for the administration of justice in Cabarrus County is high. Cabarrus County has remained on the radar of the ACLU of North Carolina for some time now. There really is this, this history that I think is uh, particularly insidious. Daniel Bowes says the county has a reputation for disproportionately saddling black traffic court defendants with fines and fees, which, when unpaid, result in suspended licenses. People wouldn't feel like they were being treated fairly. He says since state law gives prosecutors so much discretion, there's little oversight. Who does a DA answer to? So it really is hard to, um, to say right now. Uh, in North Carolina. Vanikoven has declined our repeated interview requests. In a statement, the now retired DA conceded she worked remotely due to COVID for most of 2022, first after she fell ill herself, and then as she served as the primary caretaker for her ex-husband, who was hospitalized with the virus for several months. During that extremely difficult and trying time, she said she used technology to attend work-related meetings, took home case files, and relied on phone calls, emails, text messages, and meetings outside of the courthouse to fulfill her administrative and managerial tasks. She did not, however, explain her work activity in 2021, only previously noting the badge data does not accurately represent her attendance, saying she often walked through the front door or a side door held by a coworker, neither of which required her to swipe her badge. This is a shadow on Cabarrus County and its judicial system, which I'm a member of, and it's insulting and embarrassing. Lee is not among the 23 lawyers who, citing WCNC Charlotte's reporting, signed a notice of concern calling for an investigation, but says he shares their concerns. The optics are terrible. 
across the board. The DA previously downplayed our initial discovery. Not only is the state bar now investigating, we've since confirmed multiple cases where favorable deals allowed accused speeders to drive away with a slap on the wrist. Only for law enforcement to catch them speeding once again. Vanikoven's term as DA was originally supposed to run through the end of this year, but she retired at the end of August. She told us she set her retirement into motion in May, shortly after her ex-husband's release from the hospital. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte. Wow, important work there. Nate, thank you. More Flashpoint after this. Hey folks, come interact with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we're there. If there's something you want us to cover here on Flashpoint, let us know. We're always open. Producer Jack, he, he is on top of things all the time, so let us know. And also, be sure to remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back next week for another edition of Flashpoint. Thank you.